are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Uh, Somebody flying off the handle. Have you ever seen somebody fly off the handle? Uh, It's interesting, and, and the reason I feel impressed to say something about this, there's a difference between this right here and what Jesus did when he cleaned the temple out. How many of you remember when Jesus cleared the temple? He did it twice, at the beginning of his ministry ministry, and then at the end of his ministry. And he took a whip, didn't he? And he went in there and and, and he cleaned it out. That's called righteous indignation. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's godly, that's holy. Jesus saw something that was... um, Something bad going on. Wouldn't you agree what the money changers were doing at the house of God was wrong? And Jesus rose up. And it's interesting if you study it out. He didn't just come in there with the whip right immediately. He he looked. He saw what was going on. And he went out, over, spent the night. And he came back in the next day and then cleaned it out. That's righteous indignation. That's not what this is talking about. Outbursts of wrath. Just somebody just losing their, losing their temper because they lost at a, at, a, at a tennis match. Right? You understand there's a difference. So I thought I'd point that out. And then, of course, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which there's more in the list, but he just... You understand what he says? And the like. There's more he could list. There's, you know, Paul listed other things about the works of the flesh in other places in the word of God. And then he says, of which I tell you beforehand, and this is very sobering here, just as I also told you in times past that those who practice such things. You know, there's a difference between blundering into something and practicing something. You understand that? Those who practice these things, those who have a lifestyle in these things, will not what? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Isn't that sobering? It, it, frankly, it scares me. Well, we ought to have a fear of God, shouldn't we? A good, healthy fear of God, a reverence of God. And then in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what we're talking about. Remember I told you, and and I've been telling you this the last, I'm going to say it at the beginning of each of these sessions. Jesus is looking for us to produce fruit. He's looking for us to produce fruit. And the first kind of fruit that he looks for is not the fruit of the Spirit. It's what? It's souls. Soul winning. And if we're not not telling, at least telling people about Jesus, and if if we're at least not sharing the gospel, Jesus sees us as unproductive. 
That's pretty sobering, isn't it? So if we're not, and that's why we pass these tracks out and to you all to hand out during the week. Have you been handing your tracks out? You know, and, and if not, do that. Be, be, you know, even if you, even if you just leave them, leave the track in a strategic place somewhere. You know, where somebody will come along and find it. Uh, you know, that's sharing the gospel. If we're not doing that then the Lord sees us as unproductive. Souls is the, is the number one fruit he's looking for us to produce. And then secondarily is the fruit of the Spirit, the born-again human spirit. When we get born again, when we get saved, when we repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our Savior, then the Holy Spirit deposits all these nine fruit that we just read. He deposits all of them into our, into our born-again spirit. So those fruit are there by the Holy Spirit. And then he expects us to, to do things to cause these fruit to grow. And we've shown you that these fruit can be more or less in your life at any, at any given time. And uh, you'd agree with me, you, sometimes you have more joy than others. Is that, is that correct? And we showed you how joy can, can wither up. And, and we showed you how you can keep these fruit uh, to the full in that first session. So if you missed it, you can go on our website on the internet and get it. No charge, okay? Um, and then, of course, something else you need to know, to the degree that the fruit of the Spirit develops in our lives, to that degree we will overcome the works of the flesh. And Galatians 5.16 bears that out when it says, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, you can, over, you can only, and don't forget this, this is so important, you can only overcome the works of the flesh with willpower for so long. Okay? It takes the development of the fruit of the Spirit here to overcome the works of the flesh as, as, as a lifestyle. For example, in the list, now today we're talking about long-suffering, but I just want to point this out because we'll get to it immediately. Verse 23, notice the second fruit there in verse 23 is what? Itself... What? Self? Self what? Self-control. Now for years, I tried to lose weight. I was way overweight. Over the last five years, not only did I get rid of that funky looking hair piece, I got rid of 60 pounds. That's a good deal, isn't it? But for years, I tried to, get, I tried to lose weight. I tried to lose weight. I tried to lose weight. And, and, I, and, and you'd come around January 1st, and you make that New Year's resolution, and, and I'd do good for a while, and sometimes I'd get the weight off. I'd, I'd get it, not down like I am now, but I'd get some weight off. But then I'd always go back, and I'd put all that weight on, and then I'd find some more. <laughs> Anybody ever been there besides me? And I could only get so much victory over, over the weight because I was doing it in my own strength and in, 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 in my own willpower. But it wasn't until I learned that you have to... What I did was is I developed this fruit of self-control. Do you see what I'm saying? And that is, that is what has allowed me to get my weight under control. And if you've noticed, I've kept it off now for better than five years. Isn't that wonderful? And it's because I eat right and I exercise. I exercise every day. Every day I run about five or six miles. Jog, you know. Every other day I work on the weights. 
And have I done that religiously now for five, just about five years, most of that? Now, I might miss a day here or there, you know, or whatnot, but, but it's, it, it's self-control, it's that fruit. Do you, you get what I'm trying to say? See, if we just let these fruit develop in our lives, the things that have been bothering our flesh, you know, like weight or whatever, you would see that you'd get victory over those things, you see. So that's why I'm teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Now today we want to look at long-suffering. Long-suffering. And uh, so let me give you some definitions here about long-suffering. Because we're going through this list of nine fruit. Today we're on long-suffering. It does not mean the ability to suffer for a long time. It doesn't mean that. It does not mean, long-suffering does not mean the ability to suffer for a long time. Actually, in some uh, different versions or translations of the Bible, that word long-suffering is translated patience. Patience. Now, we all pretty well know what patience is. And, And I've taught you this over the years. My definition of patience, and I think it's a good one, is the ability to wait with a good and a right attitude. Not just the ability to wait, but the ability to wait with a good and a right attitude. But as you study this word long-suffering, that's in in the Greek, the original word long-suffering, as you study into it, yes, it means patience, all right, but it means so much more than that. So much more than that. And let me just read you some things as I've delved into the, to the, to the Greek here a little bit, it, but it'll all be easier to understand what I'm going to tell you. It means this. Listen carefully. It's very important. Long-suffering. The quality of a person, long-suffering is the quality of a person who is able to avenge themselves, but they refrain from doing so. Somebody comes up and smacks me upside the head and I have the ability to beat the tar out of them. Or somebody comes up, let's a little more realistic, somebody comes up and gives me a tongue lashing. You know what I mean, a tongue lashing? Okay, you don't know what a tongue lashing is. Uh, They tell you off. They don't take their tongue out and just start beating you with their tongue. Okay. Has, have you ever got, have, have you ever had somebody tell you off? Okay. Okay. And you have the ability to come back at them and cut them even lower than they've cut you. But you don't do it. That's long suffering. Okay. It means a, a now listen to this. Some good stuff here. Long-suffering, it means a slowness to anger, keeping an even temper. Listen to this. Slow to take action on justified anger. Slow to take action on justified anger. Has anybody ever done something and, and, and they wronged you and they were 100% wrong? They should not have done it. And you could have taken action on them 
and your action would have been justified, but you just didn't do it. You held off. That's what long-suffering is. The Bible says we can be angry and sin not. So long-suffering is you're slow to anger. You're slow to take action on justified anger. Because people can do stuff to us at times and, and we're justified in our anger. But we're slow to take action on that. And we may not ever take any action on it at all. This word long-suffering means this. With a good and a right attitude, with a good and a right attitude, putting up with someone's bad behavior, trusting they will make a change for the better. With a good and a right attitude, putting up with someone's bad behavior. Have you ever had to put up with someone's bad behavior? Has anybody ever had to put up with your bad behavior? I think we like it a lot of times when people are long-suffering with us. But we need to be sure to return the favor when they have it coming. Have you ever noticed when somebody's doing wrong, we want God to take action on that person right away, but when we're messing up, we want God to be long-suffering. So with a good and a right attitude, you put up with someone's bad behavior, trusting they will make a change for the better. That's what long-suffering is. Here's another definition of it. Remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome, especially when you're being provoked. It's remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome, especially when you're being provoked. Did you get that? So somebody's provoking you. They're coming against you. You know, uh, uh, the St. Louis County inspector showed up here one day and said, uh, the light from your sign, a neighbor is complaining about the light from your sign. And I said, really? I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, I said, what, what, what's going on? And, well, the light from your sign out in front here, the sign out in front here that you see when you drive in, it, it's shining onto their, their property and it's bothering them at night. Well, the first thing that, that I thought to myself is I wish the neighbor would have come over and talked to me and we would have done whatever we could to dim that thing down. But they didn't do that as step one. You know what they did? They reported us. Now, that's not very nice, is it? Just come talk to me first. Now, if you come talk to me and I don't do anything, then go report me, but come on. And then I asked the inspector, I said, well, well, which neighbor is it? And they said, we can't, he said, I can't tell you. Now, isn't that pretty bizarre? How am I going to fix a problem when you won't tell me what the, where the problem is? And so, 
you know, that, that, was, that was angry. I was, I was angry with that. Uh, and so we, uh, we went out there and we did everything we could to dim those lights down. We took, you know, there are pole lights in there. So we, we took the pole lights out and we wrapped them with black duct tape. And uh, you try getting the black duct tape off of those poles. That's tough to do. But later on, we tried to get, get when the problem was resolved, we tried to take that black tape off. It's just go buy new, new, new poles. But anyway... Uh, so we wrapped them up and got it, we got it dimmed down as far as we could dim it. And the inspector came out and he said, uh, he said, well, he said, the neighbor's happy now, but I'm not. And I said, really? And he said, I said, what's wrong? And he said, well, he said, uh, he said, I, I was over there the other night. He said, I had to come out here at night. And he said, I, I took my hand and I moved my hand down at the bottom of the foundation of their house and you don't pass the shadow test. And I said, the shadow test? What are you talking about? I didn't know there was a shadow test. He said, light, he said, he said, he said, this, and then he said this. He said, light can't leave your property. And, and, and I'm standing there and I'm saying, wait a minute. I said, I said, look all up, look up and down the street here. I said, you can see all the way up to Rockwood Summit High School just about, and we can see light leaving that property coming up here. And light, I said, how can I keep light from leaving my property? And I said, he said, well, he said, you can't have light leave your property. And I said, okay, I'm going to report all of these people, and you're going to have to make them re- dim all their lights down. He said, nope, 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 can't do that. And so finally, see, and I put, and then this went over, this was months, this was taken, this, this didn't happen in three days, it took several months. And finally, and I, and I didn't say anything, 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 just, just, what is that? It's, what's that called? It's long suffering. But when he said, I'm, the neighbor's happy, but I'm not, and he moved his hand. He said, he said, you've got to get that light so dim that I can't see. You've got to pass the shadow test. I said, that's enough. I said, now you're going to hear from my attorney. And off he went. And I called the attorney. And he made a few phone calls. And, 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 and it stopped. And then we had another issue with the neighbor. And you know what we did? We prayed that the neighbor would repent or move. And guess what? I, about, I don't know, about two months later, I saw a for sale sign stuck out there in the yard. But I'd rather he'd have repented because we love people. I don't know. That, is that a good example? Is that a good example? I put some examples here in my teaching. Are you cold? Would you kick that up to you? Anybody cold? I, no, this happens every time. Anybody cold? Well, why did you why did you say something? Okay, so you, okay, and you get the you get. I'm going to turn around here because so I'm not looking at anybody. Because some ladies that are going through the change, they, 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 let's move on with the message. All right. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so was that a good example? Okay, so we're remaining twank, twanquil. 
Remain tranquil. Remain tranquil while awaiting an outcome, even when you're being provoked. Not, here's another one, just two more of these. Not hastily retaliating when wronged or slowness in avenging wrongs. Self-restraint. And here's something else that you need to understand. I'm going to make a point of this here at the end of this message. Self-restraint before proceeding to action. Self-restraint before proceeding to action because people have the wrong idea about long-suffering and they think that if you're long-suffering, you're going to put up with a bad situation forever. And long-suffering does not mean that at all. Long-suffering means that you put up with something and you put up with it, you put up with it, hoping that the person that you're dealing with repents. But if they are not going to repent then eventually you have to take action. See that, what I did with the sign over there when I called the, now listen, when I called the attorney, I could tell there were some folks that in here thought, well, why would you do that? That's not walking in love. Uh, no, it is, it, it is walking in love. It's long-suffering. See, if I'd have called the attorney the first day, now that's not right, but I let this go on for a while. And, 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 I, and until I had no other recourse, and then I had to do what I did. Did you get that? So long-suffering doesn't mean you put up with a bad situation or it doesn't mean you put up with someone's terrible behavior. They're treating you like dirt. It doesn't mean you put up with that forever. There comes a point where you got to cut the thing off. You understand what I'm talking about? Deal with it. We'll say more about that in a moment. Because see, God's that way. God puts up with stuff. He puts up with stuff. He puts up with stuff. He puts up with stuff. For decades and decades and decades. And gives people chance to repent. But eventually, if they don't repent, then he deals with it. Look, if you would, just Second Peter. Don't you, don't you think those definitions were pretty good? So it's more than just being patient. Pa- patience is a part of it. God is long-suffering. And would you agree with me that God has the fruit of long-suffering in perfection? Would you say he's more long-suffering than we are? I mean, okay. Now look at this, 2 Peter 3, 9, just, just to sh- show this to you. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is what? Is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And you say, well, why doesn't God deal with those people? Why, why doesn't God, you know, do this or do that? Why doesn't he, you know, fire brimstone these people or so forth and so on? Or why hasn't the Lord Jesus come back yet? Why? I mean, you know he is coming back. But why hasn't he come back yet? It's because he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See? Thank God for his long-suffering. And then in verse 15, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. See, he's long-suffering. He puts up with people and gives them a chance to repent. That's a good thing, isn't it? And and a good example of this is the, the Apostle Paul. Remember the Apostle Paul? He didn't start out as the Apostle Paul. He started out as Saul of Tarsus. Remember that? He was, he was not a nice guy. If he was here today as Saul of Tarsus, he'd want to put you in prison, put your children in prison because you love Jesus, you see. 
and he wasn't a nice guy. But uh, notice here, look at 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12. And the apostle Paul is writing here and he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. That means he was disrespectful in his speech and his behavior. He was rude, nasty, mean. But, he says, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. We're studying about grace on Wednesday nights. It's fantastic. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And then he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all what? All long-suffering as a pattern or as an example to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. You see, it's the long-suffering of God that was responsible for Saul getting saved and becoming Paul. Did you hear me? And, and God... You see, Saul had persecuted the church and persecuted the church and persecuted the church and persecuted the church and he was on the road to Damascus to go in to get some more Christians to persecute them. Remember that? And, uh, and the long-suffering of God had been on him for a long time and I'm thoroughly convinced, I'm thoroughly convinced that the long-suffering of God was just about ready to run out on him when he was on that road. And I'm convinced that, that, that Saul was going to die on that road one way or another. And he did die. Only he died in the good way. Because if he hadn't have repented right there when he did. I'm thoroughly convinced that God was going to take him off the scene. And he was going to die and go to hell. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. Because I believe God had his guts full. You know God can get his... You know what I mean when I say have your guts full? Do you know what I mean by that? You're fed up? And, and I believe God was, was long-suffering toward him. But it had gotten to a point where on that road, that man was going to die. He was going to die. One way or another. And, and that light shone around him. Remember that? Knocked him to the ground. And, and Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Remember that? And right there, see, now, now Saul, if he, if, he would have, if he would have resisted Jesus, I believe Jesus was going to take him out right there, done. But he called him Lord, and he said, what do you want me to do? And right there, Saul did die. He died in that he gave his heart to Jesus. If any man uh, call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. Is that right? He called on the name of the Lord. He got saved and he did die. The old man died and, and Saul went away and now Paul comes up. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All things. Can you say amen? Glory to God. 
But what kept, what, what kept the judgment of God off of him until that point? It was God's what? His long suffering. His long suffering. Thank God that he is long suffering. Amen. Thank you. All right. You getting anything out of this? Now, we should be long-suffering as well. We should be long-suffering. Now, we should be long-suffering towards sinners and to believers, to fellow believers. Let me say something to you. We should be long-suffering towards sinners. Now, long-suffering means to put up with. Listen to me. We should put up with sinners, but we should not pal around with them. You got to think about that. There's a difference between our. Paul made it clear we're supposed to be around sinners, aren't we? We're supposed to be around with them, around them, and and love them and share the gospel with them. Is that correct? But we're not supposed to pal around with them, run with them. Did you get what I just said? The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. So we put up with sinners, but we don't pal around with them. You okay? Did you, you all right with that statement? Does that mean we should be mean to them? No, we should love them and all of that. We just should run with them. But we put up with them. And we should also put up with fellow believers. Now look at Ephesians 4, verse two, verses 2 and 3. Ephesians 4. Look at Ephesians 4, verse 2. Says this with all lowliness and gentleness, with all lowliness and gentleness, with what? With long suffering, bearing with one another in love. That means putting up with one another in love. So that we're commanded to do that. Yes, it's one thing to put up with a sinner, but we also have to put up with fellow believers. That means we all have to put up with one another. That means I have to put up with you, and you have to put up with me. And you have to put up with the person sitting next to you. And you have to put up, if you work with a fellow believers on your job, you have, to, you have to put up with them. And they have to put up with you. And sinners on your job, you've got to put up with them. Did you know sometimes believers are harder to put up with than sinners? Well, it's the truth. Not all the time, but sometimes. And we're supposed to bear with one another, put up with one another. Notice it says in love. One thing you'll learn, if I haven't made this clear, I want to make it clear now. You know those nine fruit of the Spirit? They work in conjunction with one another. So it's not like you just have long-suffering or you just have joy or you just have peace or love or whatever. They all need to be working at the same time. You understand that? So endeavoring to keep... And why do we put up with one another? Look at this in verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I tell you what, it's no fun to pastor a church when most of the members are not long-suffering. I know that from years past. We pretty much well have a good group of people here that you're long-suffering and 
And that's wonderful, but there was a time many, many, you know, decade or so ago where that wasn't the case. It was, it was almost like driving to my own funeral service every Sunday morning coming here to church. You had people squabbling about, at, at each other over all different sorts of things. That's no way to be, is it? We need to be long-suffering. We need to put up with one another in love. And our goal should be to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we need to learn to put up with one another. Look at Romans 15 verse 1. This is in the Amplified Classic version. Romans 15 verse 1 says, We who are strong in our convictions and of robust faith ought to bear with, we could say put up with, the failings and the frailties and the tender scruples of the weak. This is talking about other, this is talking about believers now. We ought to help carry the doubts and qualms of others and not to please ourselves. What did the Bible just tell us there? That we need to put up with, particularly if you're a mature Christian, you've been around the things of God, you've been born again for years and years and years and you've been around the things of God, you know, for a long time. And you have a believer, someone else who hasn't matured as quickly. You need to, that, that, that fruit of long suffering allows you to put up with their immaturity. Uh, you know, I believe that we need to be born again. I also believe that we need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Now, I believe that's what the Bible teaches. Now, the speaking in tongues doesn't get you to heaven. The baptism in the Spirit, the speaking in tongues, that doesn't get you to heaven. It's, the, it's being born of the Spirit that gets you to heaven. But have you ever come up on a, a, a fellow believer that you're Spirit-filled and they're not? And have you ever got aggravated at them because they just can't see it? They can't see it in the Bible. They think all that's passed away. Yes or no? Are you out there? Well... Did you ever want to just take and pop them one upside the head? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, what keeps you from doing that? Long suffering. And what do you do? You pray that the eyes of their, the spiritual eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they might be able to see it. You understand what we're talking about? Um, let me read from my notes here being long suffering putting up with others can be very frustrating but you're in good company if you're frustrated with the behavior of others because the disciples weak faith frustrated Jesus' long suffering How many times, on, on several occasions, do you remember when Jesus would look at his disciples and he said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now, he was really not referring to the disciples right there. He was referring to the people around. But then he says, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? His disciples were included in that part of it. Uh, here's another one. Uh, did Jesus get on the boat with the disciples? Yes or no? And did he, he got on a boat. Did they keep running into, into problems when they got in the boat? Yes or no? And storms would come up. 
And, and one time Jesus was on the, in the back of the boat trying to get some sleep. Huh? And the storm blew up and they went and woke him up. And, and did you ever notice Jesus didn't come up there and say, Oh guys, you know, um, I'm sorry you just ain't, aren't getting what I'm teaching about faith. Uh, did he do that? No, the Bible says he came up and he rebuked the wind. And then, and then he turned to his disciples and he rebuked them. Right? And, and that happened on more than one occasion. Didn't it? Where the boat was in trouble. Or Jesus would get on his disciples because he'd been teaching them about how, how faith operates and what they should be doing. And, 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 and in this case here, when he said, he said, how long shall I put up with you? In that instance, uh, they couldn't get a demon out of a, of a, of a, young, a young child. Remember that? While Jesus was up on the mountain praying. And, and, and he rebuked them because of their lack of faith. And, 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 and like on that boat situation. He, they, he'd get on a boat with them. There was a problem. And he expected them to take care of the problem. And they didn't do it. Jesus is wonderful. He's long-suffering. But he'd rebuke them. But what did he keep doing over and over again? He kept getting back on the boat with them, didn't he? Isn't that wonderful? That shows me that he's long-suffering. What am I trying to say to you? You can mess up a hundred times, five hundred times, a thousand times. You shouldn't, but if you do, guess what? Jesus is long-suffering, and he'll keep getting back on your boat. Isn't that wonderful? And frankly, forgiveness is a key to long-suffering. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. Forgiveness is a key to long-suffering. Look at Colossians 3, verse 12. Colossians 3, verse 12. And then I'm going to conclude up here with something that's very interesting. But look at this one verse here yet. Or two verses. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another. That means putting up with one another. And what? And forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So forgiveness is a key to this fruit of long-suffering operating in your life. So if you want that fruit of long-suffering to be operating, be sure you're quick to forgive people. And I tell you, forgive people before they even ask you to forgive, forgive them. Just forgive them. Right? Just forgive them. Just forgive them. Remember, unforgiveness Unforgiveness doesn't hurt anybody but the one who holds it. Right? Because yes. the people that you're, that you're refusing to forgive, they probably don't care anyway. <laughs> probably. All you're doing is hurting yourself. What did one person say? Unforgiveness is like taking poison yourself hoping it's going to kill the other guy. 
Right? Did that make sense to you? Now, as I close this, we're going to say some things that we all need to hear. Because like I said a while ago, people have the wrong idea about long-suffering. They think that long-suffering is just putting up with something, the bad behavior of somebody for a long time and just without end. And that's not what long-suffering is. Did you get what I just said there? I'll say it again. A lot of people think that long-suffering is, I'm just going to put up with this bad situation I'm in. I'm, just gonna, I'm supposed to put up with this bad behavior of these, these people. I just have to put up with it forever. And that's not what long-suffering is. Long-suffering means you put up with it for a long time, but at a certain point, you've got to draw the line in the sand and say, you know what, that red line, you draw it, say, no, that's it. Um, look if you would and, and did you say that God has this uh, long suffering fruit in, his, in him to perfection and so if, if, if God could draw the line and say now okay I put up with it this far but now that's enough if, if he would do that we would be capable of that same thing is that correct did you get, did you get what I just said there so if, in other words if God says okay I've taken it for decades that's enough then there's nothing wrong if we have that same attitude, is there? Is there? There's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to live in that, in a hellish situation forever. Yeah, but Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Yeah, we turn the other cheek all right. And I learned that if we turn the other cheek, you know, God will, see, if, if somebody hits me on this cheek and, and, and I put on my boxing gloves, guess what? Now, I've got to fight my own battle, okay? But if I'll turn the other cheek, Jesus puts on the boxing gloves, and he fights the battle for me. But even so, as that goes along over time, as you, you can see it in the Bible, I'm going to show you now, as that goes along over time, when people just are going to be obstinate and, and, they, obstinate and they refuse to repent, even God himself deals with situations and judges situations. And we can too. Uh, look at this in 1 Peter 3.20. 1 Peter 3.20. Let's pick up midway through that verse for the point of this message. 1 Peter 3.20 talks about when once the divine long-suffering waited, and that word waited means patiently waited, so we could read it like this. What, this is 1 Peter 3.20, midway through the verse. When once the divine long-suffering waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. Now, just please leave that up there. This was, notice it talks about the divine long-suffering. It's talking about God's long-suffering was waiting patiently in the days of who? Noah. Noah. Do you remember back in the days of Noah? What was going on? The whole earth had become wicked. Is that right? Yes. And, and, and the hearts of men had turned wicked. The hearts of women had turned wicked. And much we could say. And it's interesting. Why didn't God just wipe those people off immediately? Because he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Right? And so the, law, the divine long-suffering is waiting, waiting, waiting. And finally, it got to a point where he sees that Noah... 
in his family, only righteous ones left in the whole earth, okay? And then, please leave that up there, he speaks, he speaks to Noah, and he tells Noah to build something. What does he tell him to build? An ark. And it took some hundred plus years, upwards of, of 120 years, to build that ark. And it's interesting, the Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. So for that 120 years, while Noah was building the ark, and the divine long-suffering of God is waiting for people to repent, and Noah's building the ark, and he's a preacher of righteousness, guess what he's doing? Noah is calling people to repentance. But eventually... The ark was finished, and I, and I know, as well as I know my own name, anybody that would have wanted to could have got on that ark. Absolutely, right up, to, right up until, and the Bible says God shut them in that ark. He closed the door. Right? And anybody could have got on, but they didn't. And God shut, listen, there comes a time where God shuts the door. I said, there comes a time, this long-suffering God, this great God that we serve, who is long-suffering, but there comes a time where long-suffering does run out and God shuts the door. I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's the truth of the matter. And God doesn't shut the door in a day. He doesn't shut the door in a week. He doesn't shut the door in a month. He doesn't shut the door in a year. He may not shut the door in a decade or two decades or even half a century, but I'm telling you, there comes a point where God will shut the door and even while he's shutting the door you can still get in but once the door is shut his long suffering runs out and the door is shut guess what it starts to rain and the whole earth is destroyed everybody on the earth is destroyed that's long suffering remember in Sodom and Gomorrah remember that and God didn't want to judge that place. He didn't want to destroy that place. He put up with it, put up with it, put up with it. He went in and talked to Abraham. Remember that? Abraham talked him down. If there's 50 righteous, I'll spare the city. If there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 10, God said, yes, if there's 10 righteous, we'll spare the city. He went in there. He couldn't even find 10 righteous. Is that correct? The angels went in there. How many remembers that? Absolutely. And the long-suffering of God ran out. And the next thing you know, what do you see? Fire and brimstone. And he leveled those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He got Lot out. He got Lot's family out. He had a, Lot had a covenant with Abraham. But everybody, and anybody could have, could have been spared. But you see, long-suffering can run out. Yes or no? So the long-suffering, God's long-suffering towards, let me read my notes. God is long-suffering towards sinners waiting for them to repent and accept Jesus. But if they don't, judgment will eventually come. And ultimately, if a sinner doesn't repent before they die, they go to hell. Is that right? But listen to this. God is also long-suffering towards Christians, to believers, waiting for us to repent if we've fallen into sin or if we missed it somewhere. I want you, now I'm almost finished, but go to Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Powerful, powerful four verses of Scripture that show how Jesus is long-suffering. 
in the book of Revelation, chapters two and three deal with seven churches. And one of the churches was uh, the church in, these were in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And one of the churches was Thyatira. And Jesus appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos and he had words, messages for each of these seven churches. And to this particular church, now I want you to see God's long suffering in here. Notice, but, but there's other things we can glean. Look at this, Revelation 2.20, Nevertheless, because he commended him for some things, and then he said, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Now, Jesus is talking to the pastor of this church in Thyatira. He's talking to the pastor. He says, I, Jesus says, I have a few, few things against you because you allow that woman, and in the Greek it reads like this, because you allow that woman, your wife, Jezebel, that was not her real name, more than likely. But she's called this because in the Old Testament, there was a woman named Jezebel, remember? That ran her husband. Does anybody remember her husband's name? Ahab. And he was a wimp of a guy. Did you know for there to be a Jezebel woman, you have to have a wimp of a husband? Did you know that? You can't have a Jezebel without a wimp. Hello? I said you can't have a Jezebel without a wimp. Now watch that. I, I said you can't have a Jezebel without a wimp. You know what I mean? A wimp? I'm talking a husband that won't, won't take his godly stand. Are you out there or are you going home? You with me? It gets real quiet when you start talking about this. So, so you got a pastor of this church. He's pastoring this church. And he has a wife. And, and, and because Jesus is so loving, he's not going to call her by name. He just uses this name, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. Be careful about people that call themselves titles and things. One thing I've learned over the many years is when people start calling themselves things like prophet or prophetess, when people start calling themselves a prophet or a prophetess, I'll guarantee you one thing, in just about every situation they're not. Particularly if they're emphasizing it frequently. And she called herself a prophetess, and notice what she was, and notice, real loud, say allow. allow. Say it again. Allow. He was allowing his wife to teach and seduce Jesus' servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Wouldn't that be something if I allowed Diane to get up here on Sunday morning and tell you it's all right to go out and sleep with whoever you want to sleep with? What would you do? You'd be, you'd, you'd be beside yourself, wouldn't you? But that's what was going on. And just eat things sacrificed to idols. And if I sat there and let her do it. Now you would never do that. <laughs> but I'm trying to get, make this real to you. That's a bad thing, isn't it? Are you with me? You find, are you finding how serious this is? That needs to be dealt with immediately. Well, sure it does. But look what Jesus did here. Verse 21. Look at the long suffering here. I gave her time to repent. Do you see his long-suffering there? 
of her sexual immorality. And the Bible says here, it says she did not repent. The Greek says she did not want to repent. When she was confronted, she didn't want to repent. But did he give her time? Did he give her space? How long did he give her? I don't know. The Bible does not say. Do you see his long suffering there? Now watch this, verse 22. Indeed, I'll cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. So what's he going to do? Did his long suffering, if she doesn't repent, is his long suffering going to run out? And she's going into a what? Instead of a bed of adultery, uh, instead of into a bed of adultery, she's going into a sick bed. And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, now watch his long suffering, unless they what? Unless they repent of their deeds. Do you see again he's long suffering? And then he says, I'll kill her children with death. That does not mean her, that does not mean little babies. It means those who follow her false doctrine is what that means. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I'll give to each one according to your works. Very sobering story there, isn't it? But do you see, even in the midst of this terrible situation, that Jesus is long-suffering? But there is a line drawn that if time runs out and she doesn't repent, and I don't know, I, I'm, I'm trying to find out what happened to this lady. I, I, I've been looking for it. I haven't been able to find it. The Bible doesn't say. I'm trying to go back in church history and find out if she ever repented. Do you remember that church that was lukewarm? Do you remember the last one that was lukewarm? And Jesus said, you're neither hot nor cold, so I'll spew you out of my mouth. How many remembers that church? But guess what? You study church history, you can find that church repented. And they got back on fire for the Lord. I don't know about this lady. I don't know. But do you see that he's long-suffering? But there's a time coming where long-suffering will run out. Diane was married, and I asked her if I could share this, and she said it would be fine. She was married before we got married. We got married in 1989. She had gotten divorced about two years prior to that. She was married in her first marriage for 10 years. When she dated this fellow, he looked really good, really fine. And he was a, a quote-unquote Christian. Did you know some people can put on the Christian mask just to get the ring on their finger? And that's what he did. He put on the Christian mask, married Diane, and within just a very brief time, that mask comes off and she got to see the real person. Drunk. Alcoholic, didn't come home most nights, miserable, absolutely, was it not? And you should have, by your own admission, left in about 10 minutes. Yes or no? But you stayed in there for almost 10 years. She was long-suffering. 
Were you provoked? Now, you were never beaten physically, but were you provoked in that time with all kinds of horrible behavior? You found out years later that he was soliciting prostitutes, all sorts of things. So you were long-suffering. You put up with it, put up with it, put up with it, put up with it because you were taught some things about marriage that were right. You were honoring God, honoring marriage. You had little children and you thought if you just stayed it would, it would was, it, was it miserable? Absolutely miserable. And after 10 years of that, long-suffering ran out. And you finally did what you didn't want to have to do. And you got a divorce. Now you say, well, what if she'd have just stayed with that guy a little bit longer? Well, we've been married, we're coming right up on 30 years of marriage. And so it's been 32 years now since you've left that fella. And he's no different today than he was back then, if anything worse. Now, do you think God wanted her to stay in that for a whole another 32 years? You think 10 years was a, was a, was a, was a like I said, 10 minutes would have been long enough. But I'm not advocating divorce. I'm just saying that at some point, the long-suffering runs out, doesn't it? Now that example I just shared can speak volumes to people. She was long-suffering. But it ran out. And so, you know, one time I said something to her and she didn't like it. She threw a grapefruit at me. And I ducked and it hit the wall and I said, where's the long-suffering? I said, you put up with that other guy for 10 years and I'd say one thing and I'd get a grapefruit. I'm, I'm trying to end this on a little bit of a funny note. I've had heaven on earth. It's going to be 30 years on January the 24th. Oh, Lord. I'm testing your long-suffering. Yeah, me missing a date's different than dealing with a drunkard. Right. Yeah. Totally. And they both started with J. January, June, so. June, I'm sorry, June to 24th, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 30 years. Did I get that right? Yes. Heaven on earth. We've had bumps, everybody does along the way. You know, rocky parts here and there. Have you, don't, doesn't everybody have rocky parts? Mm -hmm. But we've stuck together. And we've been long-suffering towards one another. And we've forgiven one another. And we've loved one another. And we haven't been perfect. She's been far more perfect than me. And to tell you the truth, I had the grapefruit coming. I had the whole bucket of grapefruits coming, believe you. She threw an ice, you threw a, bucket, a cup of ice at me one time too. But I had the whole ice stand coming. I mean, I've been a stinker at times. But you know I've changed. Have I changed? I've changed a lot. She's changed a lot. So thank God we can change. Did you get anything about long-suffering? Did you learn anything? Thank God 
Let's all be long-suffering, what do you say? Now, before you stand, uh, when we dismiss here, just when we, I'm done with preaching, but when we dismiss here, there'll be some men and women, and you don't have to come up right just, just yet, but there'll be some men and women standing up here in the front. If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, if you've never repented,